1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: We don't always swear, but when we do, it's on podcasts. Please listen responsibly. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. I'm Brittany.
3: And I'm Goodwin.
2: And today we're reading chapter four of Melting Stones. So grab a cup of coffee. Or
4: tea. Or your drink of choice.
3: And let's dig in.
2: All right. Tell us what happens in chapter four, Goodwin.
3: Chapter four. Uh, the whole group is getting to the village and then they get there and uh, everyone's being greeted. Evie uses Luvo to listen in on the conversation and everyone's being real nice to uh, Fusspot and what the fuck? I forgot her name. Are
2: Russ-
3: Yeah. Uh, but Evie, you know, doesn't feel like that is... Uh, she feels that it always starts that way whenever they go somewhere but eventually it starts going south uh it doesn't hear not yet but she she's expecting it they take evie up to her room she starts getting settled in uh roast Thorn stuff is already there and then she starts talking to giant and oswin and then she starts explaining to them kind of luvo's background and talking to him and they're all excited you know, it's not every day you get to meet, you know, a talking rock and a, and a rock mage Then eventually uh, Azazay comes in and starts berating the boys for talking to Evie and not letting her get ready and like dressed and get food in her, which makes sense as they've been traveling all day. They kind of back down and feel bad, but they take responsibility and eventually they go down to eat lots of good food. People talking Azazay is keeping uh, people away from Rose, Thorn, and Fusspot for now. And at the end, Evie starts feeling some tremors uh, in her tea and soup. And it sounds like Luvo is a little concerned as well.
2: Part one of our three-step reading process is reading like a novice. This is where we talk about what we liked and didn't like about the chapter so tell me all about it
3: i mean right in the beginning when Abby's uh talking with luvo talking about gratitude and how again kind of reiterating what i just said that eventually people will start taking advantage of temple dedicates when they show up they're always oh thank you for being here it's such an honor thank you for helping us and then that eventually starts turning into uh requiring them to start doing stuff and, and forcing them to, and, you know, obviously Evie is a little biased because she's had some bad experiences in the past. It kind of strikes a nerve with me personally, because I've kind of been in that situation where trying to help somebody and, you know, it, 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 they start asking more and more without giving anything back. So it, it, that just kind of resonated with me. I also like her description of Moharan this bee beetle spit village next to its chicken piddle lake on its donkey dung Island. It's what a combo <laughs> when Luvo is talking to Jayat, He's talking about the people in the village and how they're different and how they won't take advantage of the dedicates and that, uh, he tells Luvo like, Evie will see that all humans aren't bad. Isn't that right? Master Luvo and Luvo's like, mm, I actually don't know that many humans, that the ones that he he has encountered until today have been of a mixed kind. The description that he could always say something bad so politely, it almost sounded good.
2: I also like when he asks that, the line that immediately follows is, Luvo was as silent as clay.
3: It's pretty quiet.
2: Yeah, and it's just like, ooh, ouch. Yeah, <sighs> he just like stares like,
5: uh... Bruh, don't put words in my mouth.
3: Yeah, <laughs> You're barking up the wrong tree. I've seen some shit, and I'm a rock, man. The 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 Evie after that saying, we were in a war. It sours you, kind of. Yeah, may, maybe not the best impression for Luvo of humanity. Giant getting Evie's saddlebags, lifting them, and saying, "What do you have in here? Rocks?" And she just grins because, yeah, it, it's why. Well, yes,
2: yes, actually,
3: <laughs> literally just rocks. Luvo, after talking to Azaze, she says, I wasn't told of a talking rock. He's, and Luvo responds, I prefer to be known as Luvo, though it is not my complete name. Talking rock is unflattering at best.
2: So yes, if we referred to him as a baby gummy bear, he would not be pleased. No.
3: Probably not. <laughs> and he'd probably be confused with what a gummy bear is. would have to show him the gummy bear song.
4: He'd be even more like that's offensive. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking too. That's a racist.
2: <laughs>
4: My first one is when they're first getting there, and Abby's listening in on the conversations. She tells Livo Look at them. They swim around Rose Thorn and Murtai like ants at a feast. They do everything but wag their tails. And Luvo's like Ants do not have tails, Ebu <laughs> I also wrote that down. So silly.
3: I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into that, but I the way I hear the delivery of him saying Ebu Maymay after like just these facts. Like clearly she's, you know, making a reference and and Lugo's just like, Ants don't have tails, Ebu Maymay. Like it's just so funny to me. It's like, we know. I think he knows that she knows, but he still says it. And it's funny every time.
2: Well, it's like what she says in the earlier chapter about the hearts of mountains apparently never get tired of telling the same jokes. Yeah. Um,
4: my next one is when Jayat asks Evie about her life. Evie's like, I'm going to go clean my face. Uh, Luvo, you take over. You know the story. Go ahead and tell the story. Evie had had him in the sling as she just put the sling on the bed. Jaya is sitting beside him on the bed looking down at him watching Luvo as if Luvo was the village storyteller. (laughs) I'm just imagining this little rock thing peeking out of a sling and this eye just staring at him like, Tell me everything. <laughs> it's so funny to me. <laughs> it's a funny visual.
3: Makes me think of like reverse Benjamin Button's disease or something. Like it's it's like a baby, but it's got all this knowledge.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, my next one is I like the burn against Juba Huba. <laughs> She says the stone mage in chamar was a fungus on legs. Fungus and that's an insult to fungus. Damn. Well she, he doesn't like uh plants. They kill they're rot killers. So it's getting... isn't a plant. Mm-mm.
2: Sure
3: it's a mycelium. Come on.
2: Yeah. They're, they're not plants.
3: Listen, at, at least fungus do something important. Juba Huba does not.
5: No. Yeah. Again, it's an
4: insult to fungus. <laughs> My next one is when Luve, Luvo is talking about Oswin and he says, what kind of man is it who is more valuable than mages?" You know what? I really like that one. My next one is I like the description of... What is her
3: name?
4: Azaze. She was queenly tall. She looked even taller than her... She looked even taller with her red hair pinned in a knot on top of her head. Her dress was plain brown cotton with yellow and orange embroideries. Under a sleeveless yellow robe, still the emperor didn't look so regal in all his silk. And burn to the emperor. <laughs> this woman doesn't even have to try, and she looks queenly in ever in silks. And they're like, ah, whatever. You look like a loser.
3: He must be like either, like either very ugly or she's just very. Very queenly, yeah.
4: I don't know. I don't it don't know kind of reminds me of, uh, like, Shrek, Lord Farquaad. He <laughs> <laughs> He tries to be so kingly. Honestly, um, I have met a
2: woman like this. Back before Poetry Slam, Inc. was defunct, there was this really amazing poet who was an important part of it named Suzy Q. Watching her... MC poetry slams she walked out on stage and just owned the stage just by walking out and it was just like I command everyone queenly is the best way to describe that so
4: I kind of picture Azaze similar to Susie Q. Jayat says that Briar sounds like a paragon Evie's <laughs> <laughs> like uh no he is not He likes pretty girls and picking locks and making jokes and playing with knives. And he's a realist, not a paragon.
3: What a cool guy!
4: Right. I marked some uh, food stuff for Goodwin. The the chicken stew. I also marked the food stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The chicken stew, ginger and cinnamon, and then lentils cooked with noodles and pastries stuffed with eggplant.
2: I didn't mark that. But I marked the part where she describes giants' laugh as sounding like warm honey, because I also talk- that <laughs> <laughs> we had talked earlier about how Evie like is using all these food metaphors. I'm not, but I'm not his butter. He doesn't have to churn me. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is no bread and salt of mine. And yeah. so I was just like, I never noticed it before, but I'm like, ah, food metaphors.
3: You know what? Normally reading something like that would make me think that there's like maybe some sort of attraction there. But this being Evie and knowing food, I, I don't think it is. But I think if I would have read that in any other like book or I would have been like, you know, like like a it sounds kind of like a compliment.
2: Similar to Giant, I think it's interesting that Evie seems more upset about specifically being sold in Shimmer than just about being sold. She's like, okay, I understand that my parents had to sell me into slavery, but why couldn't they have sold me into slavery in Yanjing?"
5: It makes me think of the, uh, the one meme that floats around. You can excuse racism?
3: <laughs> just another example of her realist kind of coming out and being like, yeah, the least you could have done is sold into someone that could talk to me.
2: Yeah, it also reminds me of slavery in the US because there was a lot of stuff done to prevent slaves from learning English so that they couldn't communicate. Oswin fixes things. Everyone has magic. This is definitely Oswin's magic, even if he is not magical. And it makes a lot of sense why they say like, He's possibly more valuable than a mage. He's also adopted a whole bunch of kids. But he's just a guy. He's just a guy who does really great things for people. Yeah. I just, I want to be Oswin
4: when I grow up. The description of him reminded me of what Ben could have been. Yes. Uh, because uh, I know in with the description of Ben... He was learning from a mage everything that he could to be able to help people. And then Oswin also is learning everything he can from mages. Ben did use his to help people, but then he ended up getting twisted and killing people. I don't see that happening with Oswin. I don't want to see that with Oswin. I didn't know what to fucking crazy. Goodwin, but- I want to hear your conspicuous.
2: Conspicory theory—that's
3: racist. <laughs> <laughs> I did spell conspicory, so I, j- j- just for people that the pod, yeah, people listening will not read. I she, yeah, I did that. that that's Goodwin,
2: funny. Goodwin typed conspiracy theory in the chat, and I did not notice that he had spelled it wrong until he corrected it.
3: I think oswin is sacrificing children to a volcano god and that volcano god is moving and releasing clouds of carbon dioxide that is killing off the trees and the lakes and acidifying them and i think that is what's happening and i'm gonna stick with that even though i just came up with it in the past minute and a half
4: no no i don't think I don't want to be doing that kind of thing. I feel like she... Pro- I wouldn't think that she would do that again. She already did it with Ben, and I feel like she wanted a parallel of like, see, Ben was bad, but this is what he could have done if he would have used what he learned for good. Like Austin when-
3: he is tired of dealing with people's shit and wants to sink the all the islands
4: He's tired of those kids breaking his furniture.
3: <laughs> that and like negotiating between people and fixing stuff for he's tired of it. He's like, you know what? Why don't yeah. I just make the whole island disappear?
2: But maybe, maybe it's it's like he's feeding kids to the volcano god to keep the island from disappearing.
4: It's, and he does. You know, it. Everyone keeps saying how great he is, and he was like, "No, I'm not." He was telling the truth, mm-hmm. and he only does it
2: with the kids who are being bad like that's how he picks because he says you know that if if the one kid was doing stuff again he was going to kick him out and that's what he's going to do he's been breaking furniture so he's going to go sacrificing to
4: the volcano he's, he says he's kicking him out and no one
3: out into the fucking is. volcano oh
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, why haven't we seen him well I kicked him out he's probably he went to a different town or something? Not really. He's dead. going to the conspiracy board. Literally,
5: I I genuinely love that Goodwin is currently writing on a
4: whiteboard. Yes, because just needs some red string.
5: Yeah,
4: <laughs> we we can't read it, but tell us what it says. Goodwin. God
3: God kids volcano, volcano sacrifice children leads into luvo Maybe being the ultimate sacrifice for the volcano.
4: We did say in chat. We
3: talked about a volcano, <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: and it could kill Lugo, and maybe mm-hmm. Lugo can make it double explode. And he's tired of helping, so he's trying to blow up the island.
4: He's very. In- he is very interested in Lugo. So, Molly. Hmm. maybe you're onto something. Molly, but she's not doing the eyebrow wiggle. She's not also. doing the eyebrow. Wiggle. So that means you're up. That there.
3: means I'm right. I'm on to something, <laughs> Molly. I'm I'm I am genuinely freaked out right now.
4: Uh, you take a picture of it so you, we can put it on the Instagram. And Luvo can walk. Apparently, we have not seen it, but
2: uh, Evie asks him if he would like to be carried to dinner or if he would like to walk. Luvo can walk.
3: I imagine it's just not very. little little legs.
2: Yeah, I imagine he's got stubby little legs and he doesn't walk very quickly. Also, she's like, I know you don't like stairs and I think that if I was shaped like Buvo,
4: I also wouldn't like stairs. Yeah, no. He's a rock. He can't bend legs or anything.
3: I imagine him just like trying to climb down and it's just very undignified (laughs) for the heart of a mountain.
4: Isn't there a scene somewhere in like Pooh Bear, like Winnie the Pooh, like Pooh Bear falling down some stairs? I had that visual in my head. of so They're saying, oh, Luvo, you don't like stairs. I'm like, oh, just this gummy bear thing trying to <laughs> falling down the stairs. Like, he, falls, he falls down the stairs and then he goes, oh, bother!
3: Oh, bother everyone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> huh?
4: Him not liking stairs, it has happened several times, him falling down the stairs for him to know that he has to fight fly- Poor Lubo. He has fallen down some stairs, I'm sure.
2: Probably (laughs) has.
4: But Giant,
2: I love you. I appreciate that you're trying to do something nice. Let Evie handle
4: it. It's okay. It's okay. Like, no, I I already offered. So I gotta do it. Right, right.
2: No, you don't have to. That's why she's like, "Uh, I-, I am the stone maid
5: absolutely relatable though
4: I'm, being, <laughs> I'm not being very hospitable if I back <laughs> out on the things that I say that I'm gonna do right. 100% relatable
2: and then I like that she says Briar knows to leave stone things to me and to me that
4: seems kind of like a hint yeah She's and this right. right afterwards like that's what I liked about him that's what I don't like about you <laughs> I, I don't get the impression that evie dislikes giant for doing know, this but,
2: but it does feel like a hit like you know maybe you should just let me carry lubo it's
4: yeah okay. okay. you don't have to do everything i i didn't take it as her disliking giant either but i just found it really funny that the next sentence was like That's what i liked about him like <laughs>
2: I really like Azazé. I feel like she's maybe being a little too hard on Giant and Osmond in this scene. How have you not brought her to dinner yet? It's okay. It's okay. We're getting there. We're fine.
4: I don't know. I kind of see it from her side. Like, these people just got here and you're just gawking at them. Like, oh my god, you have a talking rock? That is so cool. Like, dude, I'm tired. Leave me the hell alone. You can gawk at my rock later she's also pretty taken by the rock though <laughs> but, like, i don't know
3: i think she's used to dealing with other people on the island that are worse than those two so she's using to that tone on them even though you know maybe they don't deserve it
2: i also feel like oswin's like oh it's my fault because i wanted to talk to luval and all this but for half of this scene at least evie's also been like washing up yeah but I do I do uh, like that Evie watches how she takes care of Thorne, how Azaze takes care of Rosethorn. And I feel like if Azazay is that stern with Jaya and Oswin, then there's a good chance that she's going to take care of Rosthorn. Yeah.
3: You need to be made of stern stuff if you're going to be living on a what used to be a pirate-like infested island, too.
2: Yeah, and she is the head woman. So um, she's in charge of everything. Which also occurs to be like more cool, strong ladies. Uh, she reminded me a little bit of the
4: called Potcracker,
2: oh yeah. I was gonna say not that she directly reminds me of Moonstream. I think like her personality is very similar to Potcracker, but she's in a similar like position
4: as Moonstream, yeah, I would see Moonstream as queenly as well, so, yeah. Okay.
2: And the last note I have is Brittany mentioned in an earlier chapter that Evie was concerned about her looks. And in this chapter, she's like trying to pinch her nose to make it to make it not be flat. flat. Yeah. Which reminds me of Amy from Little Women, who's always drawing noses because she hates hers. But as a wise mortal
4: who
5: knows his limits, really like that
4: some of the mortals in some of the other books have not realized their uh, limits and have perished because of it yes Um, the only other one of mine
5: that was not taken (laughs) because I have one left is uh, the earth can be as restless in its sleep as you
4: bad times are coming (laughs)
0: Part two of our three-step reading process is
2: reading Like a Dedicate. This is where we look for a theme or message in the chapter. What theme or message did you find?
3: The theme that I found was read the room. Whenever you and Giant are discussing how bad people can be. If someone just kind of comes out of nowhere and says like, yeah, people are really fucking like horrible. I feel like there's probably a really good reason why they say that. Something's got to be there not to say that I've never done that. So I've been spending a lot of time at an oncology clinic recently, not for me, but for someone else. But, um, I remember I went down to, uh, to to get some food and on the way up the elevator, I ran into this uh, couple in the elevator and I was being kind of polite and being like, Hey, how are you? Like when, 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 like, how are you doing? And, you know, m- maybe not the best question to ask when you're at an oncology clinic, because mm-hmm. you don't always get good news there. Uh, sometimes you do, but it was very much a case of like, like they didn't get mad and they weren't like super bummed out, but you can tell it wasn't good. So mm-hmm. maybe I should have read the room. Clearly that might not be a good question to ask at the location you're at. Yeah. And again, with Giant and Ozwin keeping Evie from dining, like not on purpose, but also like you know, come on, they. She's been traveling all day. Maybe let let Evie do her thing, and then take her to go eat.
4: Ask her. Ask your questions while she's eating.
3: The third one I noticed was uh, when the two men approached the table with Rose Thorn, Azazay just kind of glares at them, and it's like they 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 got the cue that maybe that wasn't the right time to. Uh, start a conversation about whatever they they had in mind because it, it it does seem like they were the maybe locals that were affected and they're like oh hey you from whining you from the you know from the from the temple this is what happened to me and i need you to help me right now because you know she literally just got there give them a second to settle in and then start talking about it but yeah that, that's what i found read the room
2: i wrote hospitality they're welcoming people so they're feeding them and they're bringing them in that like i don't know because of the book that i'm writing i think a lot about how you can be a hospitable guest as well as a hospitable host and i feel like that's something that like evie and luvo are doing but then also like giant is kind of being overly hospitable offering to carry luvo and then not figuring <laughs> out that like it's okay so yeah i don't know i think a lot about like what it means to be hospitable and where you draw those lines and and I think we can learn a few things from this both about like taking care of people like uh, making sure that people aren't harassing Rosethorn when she's just gotten here and and taking people to eat and, all, and that but also like as a guest taking care of people by being like it's okay I
4: can carry my own part of the mountain <laughs> <laughs> yes uh well I guess mine was uh basically the same thing as Molly's um hospitality so um they're getting treated to a meal and uh, I feel like even though uh Jaya and Oswin are keeping Evie from going to eat uh, I feel like them getting to know her more is being hospitable in a different way so I agree it may not be the way that uh, the head woman wants, but uh, I think that they're, they're being hospitable in their own way.
5: So in a rare turn of events, I couldn't really find one.
4: <laughs> in there. Well, Same. I'm used to me good with doing that, not you. Like I said, in a rare <laughs> turn of events. <laughs> I mean, Fair. fair.
2: Step three of our three-step reading process is reading like a mage. This is where we use the text to craft magic in our own lives. What magic were you
4: able to craft out of this chapter? Mine is to always keep learning. Um, You never know what information could be useful for you in the future. Um, Not just for yourself, but for other people. Oswin does this constantly, learning from other mages. Uh, He's not a mage himself. But he uses that information to be able to help those around him. So I want to be like Oswin and keep learning everything that I can.
3: Mine is uh, kind of in the same vein, also talking about Oswin, but it's uh, to use your connections. Oswin seems to know a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, just like some parts engineering, some parts like social, like, not deduction, but like social, just figuring out what people can help each other and connecting
4: yeah if he doesn't know something then he's able to point you in the right direction be like oh no but that guy over there dies and i know that he needs this and you could do that so help each other
3: yeah like like making that sort of social connection is like kind of huge the sense of community nowadays compared to what it was like pre-1980s when whole neighborhoods would know each other and hang out, let your kids play on the street and stuff. We don't have that anymore. You know, not having those connections, it's kind of the same thing. Like if you need a roof, do you know a roof guy? If you don't, it's, it's hard to even know where to start. With my job as a realtor, I do that. I know people that do certain things well, and I connect them to the people that need that help. I wish it could be more trade based. Uh, it's happened a couple of times between like a client of mine that does like landscaping and another one that does framing. I connect them and they can occasionally just like trade job for job instead of for cash. That's which awesome. is yeah, super cool when it happens and I wish we could do that more. Yeah. But Kind of the whole thing with like not having those connections anymore kind of precludes that. But I, I love being able to do that, help, helping people help each other and making yeah. those connections. is uh, it, It's huge to me because I help people do that. And it, it feels really good.
2: Mine is, it's a wise mortal who knows his limits. The story that I can connect this to off the bat is I went to a national poetry slam in like 2014. I was talking to somebody about like, I knew I wasn't going to win or whatever. And they were like, don't be a negative Nelly. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm just being realistic. I know who I'm competing against and I know I'm not as good as them. And that's okay because I can still like try and do my personal best. I guess that's kind of the positive side of this. Like, I think sometimes when you know things that, like, oh, I can't do that. People will will look at that as like you being negative. But there's also like a knowing your limits can can help you do your personal best or like, no, like this is what I can expect of myself. Allow you to push yourself to improve without trying to push yourself beyond what you can do
3: that that definitely feels like a like a realist kind of thing to do to like tamper your expectations like you, you can't just expect to show up beat everyone immediately you know like right it just doesn't work like that
2: it's okay to not be the best at something and it's okay to not be particularly good at a specific thing and it's important to be aware of like what you can do what you can do well It's good to like try and improve that and it's like, oh, I want to get better at this, but it's okay to not be great at it. It's okay to not be the best at something and to just want to do your own personal best. Or even to go, yeah, I'm not great at that and I don't really feel like getting better at it. Like I'm not particularly athletic and I suck at basically all sports. And I'm okay with that. I just I don't need to be good at them.
4: I, know, I love that example, because you're saying that you went to the poetry thing. No, I'm not amazing, mm-hmm. or I'm not as great as all these people. But hey, you're there. You're trying, that speaks yeah. enough for itself, I think. Yeah, like, trying try is if, enough. And just getting to experience being there, I think that's enough, too. Even if you're not great, you're still there. You're getting yeah. to experience all of that, which is awesome. Would
5: you say that a man needs to have flaws? Would you Would you say that you need to be more like Frostbite? Yes.
2: yes. Sadly, yes. yes. I need flaws to accentuate all of the other things about me that are amazing. Yep. <laughs> the man so needs true. flaws.
3: <laughs> so true.
5: So mine is kind of related. It's uh, Briar knows to leave stone things to me. You're not going to be good at everything. You're just not. That's life. That's part of being a human being. You're the main character of your own story, but not everyone else's. <laughs> no one is a side or background character for your story. People are allowed to be good at things that you are not good at. But you want leave it to them. You don't have to do everything. That is a phrase that uh, I do need to take to heart. <laughs> You don't have to do everything. Sometimes it's okay to let other people do things.
2: We like to end our episodes with an excerpt from the following chapter. So this is an excerpt from chapter five of Melting Stones. I felt watched and looked up. Faces in the upstairs windows of the house, boy and girl watched us. They were all colors, black, white, brown, and mixes like Miriam. These would be the pirate kids Oswin had taken in, the ones left over after the adults had been killed. They looked like street kids I had known in the old days, before Briar had found me. They had that wary expression, the same as feral cats. Dedicates, Rosethorn and Murtide need to see the pond, Dory Giant said. We don't need to wake Oswin to do it. Nori scowled at all of us. There are plenty of dead spots all around here. Why don't you go poke your noses into them? Because we're here, we won't be any trouble. Giant was almost pleading with Nori. I wonder how long he'd been sweet on her. Quietly, he said, Come on, you'll wake Oswin before we do with your growling. The older girl took Miriam inside the house. Giant looked at us and shrugged. Oswin says she's getting softer looking after the kids. You just have to know her, I guess. This way. He led us around the house, down a rock-lined path into the trees. I drew up even with Giant. I don't get it. Why are you showing us around if you and your master are the only mages for the whole area? Won't you be needed someplace sooner or later? Couldn't someone else play guide for us if Osman isn't available? Giant shook his head, making his curls bounce. It isn't just that the plants and water are getting poisoned. He looked older this morning. Maybe he just didn't like what he was saying or thinking. Too many of the dead patches are in places where this island's lines of power lie. He pointed to a rough granite post beside the path. It was as tall as my hip. Carved in the top of it was the earth symbol, the circle that enclosed a cross. I had seen them the day before, but had been too busy looking for new rocks to care. I studied the post. It's tilted, and there's a crack in the middle of the granite. A bad shock and it will split right down the middle. You haven't been taking care of it. Giant scowled at me. Then we'll replace it. We have one of those every ten yards to mark where the lines of Earth's power are hereabouts. Are they all stone? At least this was something I could take an interest in. Are they all granite? How would I know? Giant seemed grumpy. They're just rocks that tell us where we may draw on the force of the Earth to give us strength for our spells. That's how lesser mages like Tahar and me can be of use to our kindred. I felt for the line of power that was supposed to be under the cracked granite post. I didn't see anything. I let my magic sink through the stones beneath it. There was some power in them that fizzed, but nothing big. There had been strength beyond the normal in those dull bits of stone. The quartz there clinked with an echo of it, but it was just an echo. I let my magic run deeper and deeper. I sensed a hum way down. It reminded me of how my own magic had once felt. It called to me. It was like a kid wanting me to come and play. I kept reaching out, trying to grab that fizzing sense of being alive.
4: Then I fell off my horse. Hey, <laughs> the kid without saying, hey, uh, not a baby goat. <laughs> oh, this one was written. Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly. Brittany. Indy.
3: And Goodwin.
4: If you like the show, tell your friends about us.
5: If you don't like the show, tell your enemies.
3: You can also help people find us by leaving a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
2: Find all our episodes at our new home on ACAST. Shows.acast.com slash Reading Circle Temple. at us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at
5: Temple Love Reading Circle at gmail.com.
3: You can also follow Reading Circle Temple on Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. And You can join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook
4: group. To find us on Twitter, tweet at Reading Temple. A special thanks to Yellows for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their art by following Yellows for Happy Draws on Tumblr and Shannon Ann Draws on Instagram.
5: Another special thanks to Brittany's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud.
3: Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic. And thanks to you for listening.
4: Let's all have coffee next week.
3: Can't believe I fucking I finally cracked the code on this one.
4: Four chapters in, we already know the ending.
3: We fucking. I
4: mean, that's what happened in Cold Fire. To be fair,
2: that's true. It was like chapter three or four, I think, where Brittany
3: was
4: like, "Nope, I don't like him. I don't like him."
3: Something's
4: off. And then magic steps. Like, oh, what are they gonna do? But make a trap and put some trap in the middle of it. That sounds too dumb. (laughs) And that was exactly what
2: they did. I'm pretty sure I lost my shit when you guys were like, Snap Trap. What a stupid name.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?